This is the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast, helping you work together better with Judy Reese, X-ray listener, best-selling author, international virtual collaboration trainer, and master of metaphor. Hear more at xraylistening.com. Hello, and welcome to the Collaboration Dynamics Podcast. With me today is Maggie Dugan. Hello, Maggie. Hello. Welcome. Um, One of the reasons I I wanted to get you onto the podcast is because you're involved not only with um, helping organizations to collaborate in a creative way, but also because you're involved in so many collaborations yourself. Can you say a bit more about what you do and how you do it? Certainly. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I would say that I work in the field of deliberate creativity. So the people I work with and and I'm among them, we believe that you can be creative, not only in sort of a eureka moment, but on demand. And one of the ways we do that is by using a process that works really well when people collaborate together. And so I do that on two levels. One is I work with groups of people, quite often they're scientists, sometimes they're business people, um, and help them to collaborate with each other to come up with novel ideas and good solutions and interesting action plans to make something happen. But what's interesting is I have to walk the talk as well because the way I work and the kinds of teams that I work with require that I do the same thing, that I work with different people who are in different domains, have different kinds of expertise, and are in different places across the planet Um, to design agendas that will help other teams to be more creative too. So it's a a bit of a, you know, we're in a little bit of a fishbowl ourselves all the time and that keeps us honest, I guess you could say. Mm. I'm already itching to ask you questions about that because um, the the whole cobbler's children phenomena gets talked about, the fact that we, we, some of us who are are coaches, facilitators, consultants, um, often don't do the things we talk about. But in your work, you really have to. Most of the time we do. I have occasionally been at one of our meetings where we sat around the table talking and about halfway through, I kind of looked at everybody and said, why are we doing it this way? (laughs) And everybody said, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Because it's easy to fall back to what's easy and risk free. But when you use a process to get people collaborating with each other in different dynamic ways, you really do go a lot farther, a lot faster. Mm -hmm. You go a lot farther, a lot faster, but it's easy to fall into ways which are easy and risk-free. So when they're risk-free, you don't go as far or as fast. No, in fact, that's that's really the element of risk is important, but you can't just say, okay, everybody, let's risk. (laughs) It never works. Really, it's about creating, um, I guess you could say, a climate uh, uh, an atmosphere in the meeting, whether it's a small meeting with three people or a medium meeting with 30 people or a large hall of 300 people, creating a feeling that you can take risks, that risks will be appreciated, um, if not rewarded, um, and that you can say what comes to mind and that you can play with concepts. And by playing, it means sometimes saying something that doesn't make sense or that maybe seems a little bit foolish or is even downright wrong. But in doing that, you know, sort of in the service of connecting and catalyzing ideas, 
But if you don't have an environment where people feel like they can say what comes to mind, where they can joke around, where they can feel relaxed and not feel like they're being measured or observed and analyzed and evaluated, then you can, um, you can get to some pretty interesting places. And that's one of the things that we do. The first step of creating a collaborative environment is one where there's sort of an understanding among all the people there that you can be yourself in the meeting. Mm. And so when you are collaborating at your best, you are like what? I think, I think I'm like an accordion is the image that comes to mind. Uh, because I really feel like when I'm humming, if you will, um, there's sort of this push and pull. Uh, and, and, and in fact, that very much mirrors the creative process that we use, which has this dynamic of diverging and converging. Mm-hmm. You generate a lot of questions and you choose the most pertinent. But you get to more interesting questions if you generate a lot. Then you generate a lot of ideas that might answer those questions. And then you just select the ones that are most novel and have the most application. So that's, that's a very dynamic part of our process. And so I feel like when I'm really working at my best, I'm in, I'm in some sort of synchronicity with that, where I'm sort of you know, bridging things together by pulling and pushing them. And there's sort of this, it's almost like breathing, you know, you're mm. taking it in and pushing it out and taking it in and pushing it out and being very fluid and, and sort of flowing with, a, with the energy of acceptance and resistance and the energy of play and and of generating things and then looking at them, but, you know, looking at them with an open mind, not a closed one. So I, I guess that would be my metaphor. And, 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 and that, that accordion kind of thing actually bridges different people's um, preferences for how they relate to me. Some, you know, there's sort of the, the, uh, approaching the extrovert and the introvert at the same time and being able to bring them both along in a creative process is really important. And, and that's a little bit what the stretch, one of the ways that stretch happens. Mm. So, so there's an in and out and a convergent and a divergent and a, and a introvert and extrovert. There's a, a both and. I think there's I think there's a lot of polarities that mm. as a facilitator, we end up managing and those are a few of them. Mm-hmm. And When you're like an accordion like that, you're humming. What kind of humming is that humming? Well, hopefully it's it's a nice hum. (laughs) I really hope. Um, That's an interesting question. I would guess that it's a bit of um, it's kind of like a generator that's that's scurrying along. I think I feel like when I'm working. Uh, productively with people, whether I'm facilitating an event or we're doing some design offline um, from our various offices and we connect virtually, um, the humming is a little bit like, um, like, you know, sort of planting the seed in someone else and they respond and then planting the seed in someone else and they respond. It's like a call and response. Mm Mm-hmm. So call and response and planting the seed and they respond, that kind of. And that happens whether you're in the same room or, or if you're connecting virtually. Well, it certainly happens for me, uh, you know, just given who I am and, and what my, where I am in my life, uh, it happens a lot easier 
face to face. But mm-hmm. we have uh, the organizations that I work with, we are doing a lot of experimenting with and finding some very interesting success with virtual facilitation. And in, like I was saying earlier, you know, we do something with a group, but we also have to do it ourselves because we are sprawled across the planet. Uh, we do a lot of our planning via Skype, and we have an, uh, also an online uh, virtual meeting room that we all go to where we can actually feel like we're sitting around a table and talking to each other or standing at a flip chart and working together. Um, and so the same dynamic has to happen. And for me, it's it's a little bit like I do my thing over here and then I throw it into this collective and it changes and comes back to me a little bit different but richer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I throw it in, so there's, it's very much that dynamic of a little bit on my own and then a little bit with this group, but I absolutely, for me, and I think for a lot of people that I encounter, need that feedback from other people. Mm. But in the, right, in the right dose though, you know? Mm. So a little bit from you and then a little bit of feedback. So, and you need the right dose. What kind of dose is the right kind of dose? I think that's different for everyone. I feel like if I had to define myself, I'm very much an ambivert. Mm-hmm. So I really, really uh, need, uh, I get energy from working with other people. So I'm a classic extrovert in that way. Um, but I also can reach a point where the energy I've expended with other people is more than I can handle. And it, it puts me a little bit in, in sort of a, in, in an overdrive. And I need to unplug and go off and be on my own and resource myself and remember what I'm thinking and feeling and needing. And so there's an introverted part of me, which isn't about, you know, for me, introversion is about uh, how you spend and receive energy. And so I'm often resourced equally when I'm alone as I am resourced when I'm with other people. Now, I know other people that I work with and whom I, whom I encounter you know, as clients who sit at different places on that scale of introversion, extroversion. And part of the role, I think, of a facilitator is to find out where someone is and create an experience that's going to be comfortable for them and going to give them enough energy so that they can go to a place they wouldn't have gone before but won't take too much energy that will create fatigue for them. Ooh, there's so many questions I could ask as a result of that. That has taken my thinking to a completely different direction. Um, I'm interested, though, because um, this ties to a conversation I was having with somebody else recently. You identify as an ambivert. Um, we were speculating whether the whole notion of being definitely an introvert or definitely an extrovert might be rather overstated, and there might be an awful lot more ambiverts out there than, than people realise. I, I agree completely, and I think so much of the factor around introversion and extroversion is contextual. Mm. So, yes, I, I suspect there are a lot more ambiverts, and you could probably say that, you know, it's, again, it's a scale. It's not this polarized where you're one or the other. You know, you might be a little bit tending that way. And then, in, as I said, in certain situations, you know, you need more. You need to be with people in order to perform, or you need to be without people to perform. Mm. So... When it, that might not be quite as much of a polarity as perhaps people think. And you're, when you, when you are collaborating at your best, you're like an accordion. And there are those polarities of um, breathing in, breathing out, diverging and converging and push and pull. So you need those polarities when you're collaborating at your best and that they're a part of it. 
Yes, and I think that's probably why I've chosen the work that I do because it, it, it puts me in a situation where I, I'm absolutely doing that every day. Mm. And I suppose uh, this is the moment to ask for hints and tips. When, how do you do that? What, 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 what's a good way of um, maintaining awareness of those polarities, managing all those polarities in the course of a working day? Hmm. Well, if I knew the answer to that, <laughs> I suspect that um, a really good thing to do is to uh, kind of be in touch with your own biorhythm in terms of how you are most productive. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, for me, I know that when I get up in the morning, I'm very fresh and very focused. And if I have the morning to myself, you know, I can get a lot done. I can write a lot. I can accomplish a lot of things. Um, and then in, when I start to sort of get fatigued in the afternoon, that's when I like to schedule my conference calls and schedule my meetings and do things where I get to interact with other people because then I'm prepared to take energy from them to help push me through the rest of the day. Mm. So that's in terms of when I'm just at my desk and when I'm working. When I'm, uh, you know, I facilitate workshops, uh, again, sometimes for a group of multidisciplinary scientists, sometimes for, you know, a group of industrially oriented commercial managers, etc. Um, and, and one of the things I have to do when I'm running a workshop like that is really kind of push my adrenaline to the point where I'm reflecting where the group's energy is and giving them what they need or pushing them just a little bit beyond where they are comfortable, which is to say, um, if I'm working with a group that is very, uh, well, a group that's rather closed and un 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 unaccustomed to engaging with other people in a very dynamic way, I need to design an activity that pushes them just one little inch further than they normally like to be because it's in that little point of risk that they grow a little bit and that they get energized and that they have an experience of having done something different and having it work, which builds their esteem and makes them feel like they can do more and more and more. Um, and so for me, it, you know, there's, when I'm working on my own, it's about managing my own energy. When I'm working with other people, it's about helping them to manage their energy just a little bit more than what they're comfortable with, but not to the point where I make them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So that, that little bit of risk, so it's a little piece, it's not a, a flying leap into the unknown, it's a little risk and then that can build to another little risk and another little risk and another exactly. little risk. Exactly. We have something we call the woo-woo scale mm -hmm. and, it, and it has to do with, you know, with the kinds of activities and exercises you can do with a group that help them to collaborate. Uh, and so we'll kind of look at the group and say, okay, this is a group of... Um, they're accountants and they're used to sort of de being on their own and in a cubicle, so they're probably a two and a half or a three. So if I give them an activity that's a nine, if I have them, you know, running across the room, holding hands with people and jumping up and down, <laughs> I, I'm going to lose them. I'd probably lose me too, but anyway, but you know, but if I have an activity that's just a little bit more turn and talk to the person about how this is going to work and work together and come back and tell us this, it's a, just enough of a stretch that it gets their creative muscle going, but it doesn't intimidate them or, you know, sort of put them off. So we have to really pay attention to where the group is and then push them just a little bit further. Mm, you, you, what, you, you, what you mentioned just called to mind uh, a group I was reading about today who, uh, this virtual team, once a week they have a virtual dance party. Really? A Tell video me how, conference. How do they do that? Well, they... they all play the same music and uh, they get on video conference and dance together. I love it. 
Um, I love it. It's, I, it's not going to go down so well with the accountants, I suspect. <laughs> no, but it would work well with my team. I think we're going to have to try it. <laughs> Happy Melly, based in, based in uh, the Netherlands. They, they, they do that. <laughs> and, th and there's a video of it on YouTube. <laughs> um, so, so, and what you're suggesting is a, a small risk and then building to another risk and another risk and another risk. When you're working on your own, um, where does risk come in the way you work? That's a really good question. I think uh, it probably comes into uh, taking on a project that I am dreaming about but haven't quite figured out how to do and setting aside the time to do that would be one way that I have to sort of push myself to, to risk. I think I, the biggest risk I take is not getting up from my chair when I'm thinking about that cookie in the other room. <laughs> and can I, can I stay here a little bit longer if that's a risk as much as it is a challenge? Mm -hmm. um, hmm. I don't know. You know, that's a really interesting question because I think since I work alone, well, half the time, um, the more I can figure out how to take risks for myself, the better I'm going to be when I work with a group. And I don't quite know how I do that. Mm. That's a delicious question. Because it, it struck me that the, the sort of the, the risk in most situations, certainly for me, the risk seems to appears to come from the encounter with the other people. It's actually relatively difficult to figure out how do I, how do I, how do I add risk without without adding other people. Hmm. I bet there's a really interesting gamification thing that you can do mm. to do that. And, you know, it's which might result be some sort of, you know, a goal setting um, that inspires you to to work at something in a different way, or you know, not just longer or or or, you know, more clicks on the keyboard, but uh, some sort of goal setting that would help to increase productivity and help to increase creativity. Mm. And so I suppose that where that question was coming from was the idea that when you um, are working with other people, it's about a call and response. It's putting, so it's about a piece on your own and then a piece with other piece on your own and then a piece with others. That's where the creativity is coming from, from that call and response that push and pull yes for me it is mm. and where is risk in that well I think every time you take you if I've created something I've created an agenda that I think has some interesting exercises that maybe we haven't tried before and I throw it out to the group to get their input and to see how it can work there's a certain level of risk there. There's a certain, you know, we all have a certain amount of intellectual vanity, so we want to think that we know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so what's, I think what, what, where the risk comes is my willingness to say, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but I'm throwing it out there. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. And knowing and trusting that the people I work with will respond to me with uh, uh, an evaluation mechanism that's productive. Mm -hmm. So rather than just saying, oh, that'll never work. I tried that once. It's terrible. They might say, hmm, what I like about it is it involves everybody and it seems like it could work no matter what language you speak and if it works, could really move people to a new place and has the potential to be an activity we use every time. Now, my concerns are how would you blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That kind of productive exchange also minimizes the risk because instead of 
you know, defending your idea. There's a productive discussion around it. And, and there is also a shared attitude. And this is part of what we do to create a climate of collaboration. There's a shared attitude that you build something before you tear it apart. You know, mm. you always look for the good in something, but not in a Pollyanna way, in a very productive way. Um, so there is some risk there, but you minimize the pain of the risk if you have a shared process and a shared language for how you evaluate those suggestions. And that takes everybody a lot further. Mm-hmm. And so when you're creating that kind of atmosphere, that kind of climate, you're creating somehow a, a, a closed container. So in an event, you've got just whatever number it is, three thirty, three hundred in some kind of closed environment where the atmosphere, the climate can be controlled or at least strongly influenced. Exactly. We tried to set that up at the beginning of a meeting where we sort of get everybody, you know, without being like a kindergarten teacher, but just sort of saying, you know, what's going to make this meeting, what's going to make it work and what's going to make it rubbish? Mm -hmm. And we write it down and we look and we point to the rubbish flip chart page and we say, try not to do that, okay? (laughs) And then we try to just, you know, also ourselves respond to people positively and to kind of keep the language productive. You know, and as I'm talking, I'm thinking about how do I do that on my own? And I guess that one of the interesting things is people can quite often be, you know, treat others better than they treat themselves. We tend to be very judgmental on ourselves. And and that's one of the biggest killers in the creative processes when somebody doesn't dare shout out an idea they have Mm. because they're judging themselves, let alone being concerned about other people judging them. And so when I think about your question earlier, how do I do it for myself? It's like, how, how can we apply the rules of how we create a collaborative space with others to how we create a collaborative space with our own selves and all the stakeholders, all those voices inside us that say things like, that'll never work and that's no good and, I ne- and I'm fooling everybody anyway, and to kind of calm those voices and treat them as though they were in a workshop in my head, push them aside and get them to work together to go wherever I need to go creatively, whether I'm writing something or designing something or, you know, you know just writing an email for that matter. Mm, so a workshop in your head, what an interesting idea. Yeah, you know, I, I once facilitated a workshop. I designed it um, with my partner called um, The Stakeholders, and we had people think about all the roles they played in their lives mm-hmm. and write those down. And, but then not just to write down, I was a daughter, I was a student, I was a secretary, I was a, but to give it an adjective. So I was a rebellious daughter, and I mm-hmm. was a conscientious student, and I was, you know, and then to give those stakeholders names and to imagine that they're all have it sitting around a table in your head trying to drive the decisions that you make and then creating a little negotiation between them. And, and it was a very interesting workshop, and we always got good feedback because people really felt sort of liberated when they realized, when they said they were mad about something, it wasn't all of them that was mad, it was just that one stakeholder. And if they could find a way to negotiate with that stakeholder, they could get over it a lot faster and move on with things. Mm. And as you're thinking about that workshop that you used to run and the workshop in your head, what ideas occur to you about how you can get the, all those, or how somebody could get all those voices in their head to, to work together? I think part of it is sort of finding out what is the agenda that each one of those stakeholders has, you know, because they're all just trying this all, they're all in it for themselves, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then to try to think of, you know, so why, how does that person win and how can I give that voice a win and not let it get in the way of what I'm doing. So for instance, when I need to write something, um, there's a judge in my head Mm -hmm. and she can be pretty critical. 
Uh, and I've learned to tame her because it's inherent in the work I do. I mean, I'm telling everybody else that they have to suspend judgment, even temporarily, so I need to do it as well. So I have to have a little conversation and sort of say, okay, you can judge this thing I write at 1130, mm -hmm. but right now it's 830, and I'm just going to write whatever comes to mind. And by doing that, I get in this very fluid and fluent place, and so I create you know, 10 pages instead of two pages that I would have created if I were editing as I go along. And then I give her permission to have her play with it at 12.30 or whatever time I've decided. Mm -hmm. And she can pick it apart, but there's a lot more good there because she didn't get in the way during... And this goes back to the whole diverging, converging bit, you mm -hmm. know? If you diverge and just write whatever comes to mind or say whatever comes to mind or put whatever comes to mind out, knowing that you, you're suspending judgment temporarily, not forever. We don't say don't judge. We say suspend it temporarily. And then at some point is the right point to make some judgments, but hopefully you can do it in a, again, in a productive way rather than a, a terribly critical way. Um, but you'll have a lot more to measure and evaluate if you let that first part go. So that's, that's something I do every time I sit down to write something is to have a little discussion with that judge. Mm -hmm. And what about the other people in your head? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> what uh, I ask is perhaps going a bit too far, but you no, have an idea of, of all, Figuring out how to how to stage that workshop such that it would be productive and 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 uh, creative is is a really interesting question. I'm I'm wondering how I could do it. But well, I'd be happy to run you through it. It's really first you, first you make an exhaustive list of all the roles you played, and then you give those those characters those roles sort of a, an adjective and a character, and and some of them will emerge very easily as you know people who are uh, voices you hear a lot, and then we sort of say you know we we put them around a table and put a question on the table and let each one of them say what they need and what they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting if you can take the time to actually write that out. Mm -hmm. Um, what kinds of insights come to you when you realize the agendas of the different parts of you? And you know, sometimes you've said, you've said, you know, part of me wants to, part of me doesn't. What part and why? Mm -hmm. Interesting stuff. Um, and of course, I imagine that uh, it could probably work reasonably well with recording your own voice saying these, saying the thing if you don't want to write it down. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. You could even take on different voices if you're good at that. <laughs> Well, anyway, my partner, his, my favorite cat stakeholder that he has is called the talking wallet. The talking wallet. Yeah, it's you know he's a little bit I would say parsimonious mm -hmm. in, in in a polite way, you know. But he's he's careful about where he he looks for good value when he spends his money, and so we always talk about oh who's talking now the talking wallet. <laughs> what a lovely idea. Thank you so much for that. that I, I'm, I'm excited. I wanted to rush off and try it now. And I'm realizing that we're starting to run out of time. Um, and thank you so much for, for a really inspiring conversation. Thank you. Well, it's so, been very pleasant for me too. Thank you. If people want to find out more about what you do and um, contact you about things, who, who, who would you like to contact you and how can they get in touch? Well, anybody who's interested in having a guide on the side at a meeting or a workshop who will help to facilitate collaboration, who will help uh, devise activities and exercises that 
will make your meeting interesting and engaging. We do a lot of work with scientists and we have workshops that were really about engaging academics to engage with each other across disciplines. You know, we do work with companies and organizations where we try to get their meeting to be more than just, you know, death by PowerPoint or brainstorming that's conducted incorrectly and therefore doesn't work, but actually to use processes that are really devised to help people have different kinds of conversations that get to different kinds of responses and solutions that take them to different kinds of action. Great stuff. So where, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at www.knowinnovation.com and that's know with a K mm -hmm. as in I know a little bit about innovation. So K-N-O-W-innovation.com or at www.innovationbound.com. I work with a couple of different organizations. Again, lots of different groups that I collaborate and, and many of us overlap. But those are the two organizations, the two creative teams that I have the most to do with. And No Innovation does scientific research, accelerating scientific innovation, and Innovation Bound really helps corporations and companies figure out how they can be more innovative and more effective at being innovative. Fabulous stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I expect you'll get loads of new inquiries as a result of this conversation. And um, thanks for sharing. Judy, thank you for your good questions. I enjoyed it so much. Music